This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. All right, everybody, let's get depressed. Another depressing edition of Rico Bronia as the Mets follow up the three-game embarrassment against Atlanta by just your run-of-the-mill lose two out of three to the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Mets have not won a road series since L.A. It has now been months since the Mets have gone on the road and won a series. So if you were hoping, the way I was hoping, certainly not expecting, but hoping that the Mets could somehow bounce back from what was the horrendous three-game sweep at the hands of the Atlanta Braves, you had another thing coming. That was certainly not going to happen. But what would happen in this series against Pittsburgh, which happened in the series against Atlanta, just not to the same extreme, extreme level, is that the Mets had a lead in every game of this series. The Mets scored first in every game of this series, and they walked away with one freaking win. And they give you signs yet again that this just may be a bad baseball team because they lost game one for a very different reason than they lost game three. But the bottom line is they find ways to lose. In game one, they can't pitch. In game three, they can't hit. In game two, they actually do enough to win a baseball game. But they lose two out of three. They're four games under 500 heading into the Subway Series against the Yankees. And I could certainly tell from the tone of Met fans, whether it's via Twitter or it's texting with friends, that we are at an all-time low right now. That the expectations that this team can somehow turn this season around is at the lowest it's been in a very, very long time. So we'll get to that. We'll preview the Subway Series. We'll talk about Buck Showalter's angry meeting and Steve Cohen finally opening up his mouth and addressing his frustrations, and maybe his plans or lack thereof with this team off to a bad start. But let's take a look at this series. Game one on every level was a debacle. I mean, if you if you thought they would come out and beat up old friend Rich Hill and Tyler McGill would give them a quality start and somehow the Mets would at least show the balls to bounce back from the worst loss of the season, which I think we'd all agree that game three against Atlanta was, if you thought they'd be able to do it, the pitching being so bad and the defense being so bad eliminated any shot of that happening because they score a run in the second inning on a clutch RBI single by Mark Vientos, 
which has us all very, very excited. And even after McGill gives that run right back by giving up a two-run double to, of all people, Austin Hedges with two outs, the Mets respond again. Francisco Lindor, who was playing shortstop. We saw him DH on Saturday, but was in the starting lineup, batting cleanup at shortstop, hits a home run from the right side, and the Mets respond to the Tyler McGill hiccup. And then you had the third inning. And as good as the Lindor home run felt, the miscue by Lindor in the third inning on what should have been a double play was the absolute death knell of this game. And I'll give Lindor credit for this. After the game, he admitted it. After the game, he was down in the dumps and said, I cost my team the game. And he did. No shit. Of course you did. Look, that's not a defense of Tyler McGill or a defense of Zach Muckenhern and whatever other crap we saw pitching-wise on Friday night. But again, think about where we are in this game. It's a 2-2 game. It's the third inning, and Carlos Santana hits a ground ball to shortstop, which should be the easiest double play to turn. Lindor is going to field it. He's going to step on the bag. He's going to throw to first, and the inning is going to be over, and it's going to be 2-2, top of the fourth inning. Now, obviously, Tyler McGill, who puts a country on base every time he pitches, could have very easily still gotten his ass handed to him in the fourth inning of this game. It could have still been a crooked number in the fourth inning, and the Mets could have lost the exact same way. I acknowledge that. It's not like I'm naive enough to think that somehow Tyler McGill was going to give them this great performance, and the Met bullpen, which was going to have very few guys available anyway, was somehow going to get 18 outs. But nevertheless, your best defensive player, and he is, like we know how good Lindor can be defensively at shortstop, cannot make that mistake. And what made it worse was it was right after he hit the home run to tie the game. You're in the midst of this brutal losing streak. You've lost six in a row. This team can't do anything right. When they pitch well, they can't hit. When they hit, they can't pitch. And their defense, which had been a strength over the first few months of the season, has completely I mean, completely gone backwards. Their defense completely blows. Then you had Brett Beatty making an error, or I'm sorry, Eduardo Escobar making an error. I don't want to put it on Beatty. He wasn't playing third base that day. <laughs> Eduardo Escobar made an error. They scored two unearned runs, but really all the runs should have been unearned. I know you can't assume a double play. I'm a scoring geek. I know that full well. But that inning should have been over. Tyler McGill's day completely changes, and the Mets' day completely changes. And that's the problem. They can't make mistakes like this and just simply overcome them. They're not good enough. This isn't last year where they could make a little mistake and overcome it. So before talking about anything else that happened that inning, the bunt hit by Bay, which turned into the Escobar error, the RBI single on the very first pitch by Josh Palacios, to what happened in the fourth inning after McGill gets the first two outs and he issues a two-out walk to McCutcheon, gives up a hit ahead of the count, and then Muckenhern comes in and blows up the place. All of that started because Francisco Lindor couldn't turn a routine double play. And while the offense did nothing after that, they were taken out of the game. I mean, it's 10-2 in the fourth inning. It really felt, and I tweeted it on Friday night, it felt like I was watching the 93 Mets. 
And the 93 Mets is what got me into baseball. I know that sounds weird. How could the, the worst team money could buy, and that was their nickname, obviously, get you into baseball? It's because I was nine years old. It was I was figuring it out. I was going to the games with my dad. I was watching the games on TV, and I was a sucker. I was a sucker then. I'm a sucker now. And I watched every game of that 93 Mets team, and they had a lot of stars and a lot of big names, but boy, did they suck. And on Friday night, the Mets decided to put an exclamation point on this losing streak with an absolute dud. McGill stinks. The defense stinks. The offense goes away after the Lindor home run. Muckenhern stinks. Tommy Hunter stinks. In the eighth inning of this game, and at this point, I'm still watching, and I'll tell you why I'm still watching this game. I've got like a cheap excuse here. I spent the entire weekend watching every pitch of the Mets, but doing it on extreme delay, which I've always told you Friday night is like the biggest lock. I'm going to watch this game three hours later. And that was the case. I came home. Kids are up. We end up drinking, having a good time. Before you know it, I don't even know what time I started this game. Actually forgot. Maybe it wasn't that late. It was like two hours late. I I don't remember. But because I was behind and I was able to fast forward, not the game, but just move quick, I kept watching. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's like there was a dead body on the side of the road, and there was a burning car. And you know what people do? They rubberneck. They won't just drive away. Like, who wants to see a burning car and somebody dead lying on the side of the road? Nobody wants to see that, but you all stop anyway. You all stare anyway. That's why there's traffic every freaking day. And that game on Friday night was the car on fire game. I couldn't look away. I couldn't stop. So when Tommy Hunter is giving up a bomb to Carlos Santana and a bop to Jack Sawinski, I keep watching. And even that ninth inning, which was actually kind of comical, they're down 14 to two. And I'm like, why the hell not? And the Pittsburgh Pirates decided, you know what? Let's make this thing fun. They committed a bunch of errors. You had, uh, what's his name? Uh, The kid who's related to the football player. Um, Smith Najigba missing a fly ball in right field. And the Mets actually put this rally together to get it to 14 to seven. And I started at 14, seven after the RBI double by Guillaume, I started counting like, okay, well, if they can get five more base runners, (laughs) they could bring the tying run to the plate. And I went back to that old thought I used to have, boy, wouldn't this be a way to get the team going? They're down 14, two in the ninth inning. They scored 12 runs. They come back, but they didn't because they suck. The only good thing, that came out of Friday night's debacle was it meant it was the end of Tommy Hunter because he got DFA'd and it was emotional for everybody except Met fans who were just excited. They were just like, great new, but there's a new human we can rip. There's a new guy around town that we can start to sour on in two and a half weeks. So John Curtis is back. So give it a week or two 
and we'll start MFing John Curtis. That'll happen. That's a lock. But just Friday was, I don't know if it's rock bottom. I guess it's not because the Mets won on Saturday, but then again, they lost on Sunday. But in terms of sheer embarrassment, after the losing streak, after the series against Atlanta, to go to Pittsburgh and to be down 10-2 to in the fourth inning really makes you reevaluate everything you think as a fan. And here's the other thing that makes you reevaluate. And I know he's your guy, Hoff, and I know they don't have a lot of options. But Tyler McGill stinks. And I've tried to be patient, but he puts countries on base every game. And even though Lindor stabbed him in the back with that error, I wonder how much longer they could just trot Tyler McGill out there every five days. Yeah, but there's a problem. And this is the big picture with the pitching. Like, and, and, and thank God, Tommy Hunter, you know, uh, listen, I love you, love to hate you, and thank God you're out of here. But there is no one else to bring up. We could sit there and say Tyler McGill leaves countries. But, dude, there, there'd be someone else in the AAA that leaves galaxies. I mean, there's no one else available. Well, you know what you would do? And I know this is a terrible answer, but it's similar to what we've talked about with the back of the bullpen where – you can get rid of Tommy Hunter. You can get rid of Zach Muckenhern. You get rid of this guy, that guy. You're going to replace them with the same guys that we've watched. So in this case, it's Josh Walker and John Curtis. You're replacing them with guys that have already been up here. It's kind of the same thing. Who would replace Tyler McGill? Joey Lucchese. Who would replace Tyler McGill? David Peterson. I would say Mike Vassell would be a nice candidate from double A, but two of his last three starts have been real bad. So A, I doubt the Mets would ever rush him, and B, He has not been pitching nearly as well as he used to, but it would be essentially Peaches changing the names on the Titanic. That's what it would be. It'd be, we've seen enough of McGill. All right, Joey Lucchese, come on back here and maybe bide some time until Jose Quintana's back. And then who knows what to get from him? The guy's missed how many months. But it's not as if Lucchese or Peterson's the answer, Pete. It's just, all right, I'm sick of looking at Tyler McGill now. And that's what it would be. Nah, no, listen, I I get it. It's it's very frustrating. The pitch, the pitch, the, the the pitching as a whole is so frustrating. I don't know what to do. Uh, we talked about the bullpen, and here's what it comes down to. And this is something that really bothered me from the get go. And we still haven't done the podcast on who, what we, how we could have redone this whole off season. But the fact is, you should not be picking up scraps at any spot. And that's what it feels like the Mets have done with certain things, with bench players, with bullpen, with the back of the rotation. It's all scrap players. By the way, that podcast in which we re-evaluate the offseason on the guys that everyone wanted them to go get or some guys wanted them to go get, this is a perfect week for it because the Mets have multiple off days. They play the Yankees Tuesday, Wednesday. We'll do podcasts both nights. We'll probably do a couple of drive homes, but we will throw in an extra podcast on that since the Mets have multiple off days. The, the, the other concerning thing about this team, and I can't explain this, is why they're so bad defensively now. Because for the first two months of the year, they were an elite defensive team. And outside of Brandon Nimmo in center and Francisco Alvarez behind the plate, who when he catches looks great back there, they have regressed everywhere defensively. McNeil's been shakier at second. We mentioned Lindor at shortstop. 
whether it's Escobar or Beatty, their third base defense isn't as good. Their outfield defense isn't as good, led by Starling Marte. I don't know what the hell happened to him. I mean, Starling Marte a year ago, and they mentioned this on the SNY broadcast over the weekend, whether it's the double groin surgery or it's another reason, Marte took such a quick move to right field and looked so good. Like, he made that transition seem flawless, like A-Rod to third base back in the day with the Yankees. He never missed a beat. And yet this year in right field, he's an unmitigated disaster. And what I think is going to be forgotten about in Saturday's game, a couple of things that should not be forgotten about, and we're not going to forget it on the Rico. Thank you, Kodai Senga. You were brilliant. I'll start there. Thank you, Francisco Alvarez. It is 12th home run of the year with that insurance shot in the eighth. Thank you, Mark Canna, who had a great day offensively batting ninth, driving in three runs. So I think I got the, the thank yous out of the way. Robertson out of Eno, too. Pitching was great. Kodai was great. Bullpen was great. I mentioned the dudes offensively. Alvarez, Canna, Tommy Pham with a couple of hits. Fantastic.